This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. Good morning, welcome to the Ipswich Community Youth Service Layback Hour. My name is Andrew and co-hosting today is a young man from Ipswich named Otto. We're here from ICYS, Ipswich Community Youth Service, Gets Out for Work program, which is funded by the Queensland Government under the Skilling Queenslanders for Work initiative. Um, today, listeners will also be speaking with the successful CEO, David Kitchen, from Ballistic Brewery uh, here in, in Springfield. So, uh, yeah, th- that'll be a good chat. So please listen in. I know we'll have a chat to you very soon, if that's OK, mate. Yeah, that'll be all right, mate. All good. Beautiful. Okay, listeners, up now we're going to have a uh, chat to uh, young Otto, who is a current student in the Get Set for Work Certificate 2 Kitchen Operations out at Ipswich TAFE. How are you, Otto? I'm doing well, Andrew. Doing well, mate? Yeah. All keen? Keen to be on the radio for the first time? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. You don't even look like you've got any nerves, mate. <laughs> All good? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I'm going to get straight into some questions for you, mate. How did you uh, hear about the uh, Cert 2 course? I uh, heard about it from a teacher that I used to have when I was going to Flexi, which is now called ALC, Alternative Learning Curriculum. Uh, when I was there, I uh, told her about my uh, interest in hospitality, and she uh, sent me you as a good reference, and uh, this is a good opportunity to get into hospitality. Yep, yep. Oh, well, thanks to your teacher for uh, letting you come over, buddy. Um, so what made you interested in the course, Otto? I've always um, had an interest in cooking and hospitality. I once did a 10-hour uh, course and everything in the Ipswich this, uh, canteen. Yep. When I was working there, I was working with these uh, lovely women who were helping me with um, working, moving around, you know, cooking, cutting up vegetables and stuff like that. And working there, I really felt like I was working towards something and I was actually providing a service and it made me feel really, really welcome in that type of environment. Yeah, okay. That, that sounds pretty good, right? How, how you find the course overall at TAFE? You're only into your second week, but how you find it? Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah. Because, well, working, you know, on my feet, moving around and whatnot, having the chefs and everything who are absolutely amazing people, it's been such a pleasure just being able to work in that, just in uh, their environment. Yeah. Yep, and it is a busy environment, but you're nailing it pretty well, mate, so we're pretty impressed with you. Um, were you nervous about starting um, a course at TAFE, meeting new people? Did you know anyone in the course? I didn't know anyone before I entered the course, and I was quite nervous. Um, I remember when the first day I went there, everyone was sitting around these tables, and they were, no one was really talking. But um, it, it, everyone started to warm up really quickly, and I eventually made a lot of friends in the, in the course really quickly. Yeah, yeah. And that is the thing um, on the first day. Everyone is nervous and find it hard, the same as us going into our new jobs and stuff. It is quite difficult. But, yeah, you guys are um, forming a pretty close, tight knit out there, so that's great. Um, how do you find the course compared to um, a school environment? I've been finding it absolutely amazing. Um, I personally am not very academic, I'm more of a creative kind of learner, uh, so being in a school environment was just really stressful for me, but in this kind of environment where I'm able to be with all these amazing people who, you know, think a different way that's, you know, not forced into being creativity, it's uh, just been absolutely amazing. Yeah, and you get to work with your hands and stuff like that. Mm, which, yeah, you, have to, you know, work on your feet and whatnot. Yep, no, perfect, mate, good stuff. Um, what feedback would you give to other young listeners who may be interested in joining the course? Would you recommend it? I mean, I've probably already, you know, yeah. showed my opinions on that, but I would highly recommend it. It's such a different environment to school. 
and it's it just really shows you that schooling and especially academic isn't everything you need in life. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, what do you find is the best part so far of the course? Um, personally, for me, just you know having all the food and everything prepared and cooking, and being able to bring it home to my family, being able to see my little sister and my father just really enjoy you know a fresh and nice cooked meal. It's just been absolutely amazing for me. Yeah, that's great, mate. Uh, what's your plans once the course is finished? Have you thought about that? Uh, once the course is finished, uh, my dream job would to you know be working in music, but uh, it's you know not the most reliable career. So <laughs> I would. Personally, I would love to work in a bar or uh, become an apprentice chef. Yep. I would love to be able to work in fine dining, but I also really would love to have the experience of working in a bar. Yeah, okay, mate. Yep, no doubt there's probably uh, going to be plenty of opportunities out for, there for you. Um, how are the uh, ICYS uh, staff and the chefs treating you, buddy? All right? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we're not too hard? <laughs> no, no, you're great. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, listeners, we're currently been speaking with uh, young Otto, who's a... Uh, student with the ICYS um, out in Ipswich and uh, he is currently doing a certificate to in kitchen operations. Keen to finish these last few questions off, Otto? Yeah, yeah. All good? Righto, mate. What makes you really angry? I don't really have anything that really makes me that angry. No? Recently seeing people muck around the kitchen, you know, not actually, you know, respect chef and give them respect that they deserve is... Bit of bit annoying, but for the most part, I don't really have anything that makes me very angry. Yeah, that's a good way to be, mate, too. You seem like a pretty cruisy young bloke, so, yeah, good attitude. Um, what did you want to be when you were small? When I was small, I realised I had an absolute love for animals, and I wanted to be a vet, but I learned very quickly, and I realised that if to be a vet, I have to see animals in pain, which I wasn't too happy with. Then I thought I wanted to be a zookeeper, because, you know, I still would be working with animals. But then I also realised I'd have to deal with animals in cages, you know. Oh, OK. Uh, yep. And um, so I eventually would just, you know, I sort of stopped uh, thinking about that, you know. I moved on to other things. OK, so music and a career in hospitality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, your favourite food to cook? A favourite food to cook would probably have to be um, a family recipe from my mum. Uh, it, like these really simple pies, she didn't cook them very often. She didn't cook very often at all. But uh, <laughs> uh, when she did cook them, they were just absolutely amazing. And it just, you know, it takes me back to a simpler time. Yeah, right? okay. That's good, mate. Um, if you were the ruler of your own country, what would be the first law you would introduce? I think just uh, quickly, just the uh, legalisation of same-sex marriage, you know. I, I just, it astounds me how... In some countries, it's uh, illegal to even you know, have same-sex marriages, and even some different countries, it's even illegal to be in a same-sex relationship. You know, yeah, it, yep. it's just astonishing to me. You know, yeah, especially in this day and age, mate. Hey, um, what is one thing you will never do again? One thing I wish I never have to do again, but I probably will have to do again <laughs> at one point, is being on an airplane. Oh, okay. Uh, I really don't like airplanes. You know, it's so cramped, <laughs> and your ears are hurting, and your jaws hurting, and the only way to really deal with it is, you know, like chewing gum and just trying to pretend that you're not even on an airplane. <laughs> what happens if you become a chef and you want to travel overseas to work, mate? Oh, that. Hey, you got to catch a boat for three yeah. months. <laughs> You'll have to work on a cruise ship, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your biggest fear? Uh, my biggest fear probably would be that I don't actually live up to the, not live up to the standards, but I don't live up to my own standards. So like, your expectations. Yeah, my own expectations, you know, that if I, uh, 
you know, just, you know, stop actually, you know, working towards something, I just end up just, you know, giving up, I guess. Okay. Don't be too hard on yourself, mate. You're <laughs> only young, so you've got plenty of time, mate. Um, who is your favourite person in the whole world? My, my favourite person in the whole world would have to easily be my father. Yeah. I've, I've had some rough times in the past. I've had times when I'm very not proud of myself, you know, but he's always been there and supported me. He's always been that, you know, that anchor for me. He's always... Yep always been there to let me know that he did love me and you know it's always someone who i've always looked up to and i've always respected yeah mate that's fantastic buddy and i've met your dad too and he's a lovely person so uh and you can tell you've come from his jeans mate so full credit to both of you buddy uh, yeah uh, we both wear very nice pairs of jeans <laughs> <laughs> and got a good sense of humor <laughs> mate what makes you laugh the most uh, probably jokes that, like, aren't intentionally being jokes. I remember I once saw a sign that was, like, uh, in a, like, a fish and chip place and everything. It's like, oh, you can get this, but what's, this is the price with hot chips as well, right? And then one of the signs was hot chips with hot chips. Oh, and, right. then, and there was a different price. Uh. So you could order hot chips with hot chips. <laughs> So you found that quite amusing? I found it very funny, yeah. Oh, that's good, mate. Okay. Uh, lucky last question, and this is Russell's favourite question. Marvel or DC and why? Uh, I'd have to say Marvel, but only because of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Because uh, <laughs> I absolutely love the music in that film. I love the characters. It's just such a great film. Oh, there you go, eh? <laughs> Russell's giving you uh, high fives from over the counter there. Yeah. So you've Thank done you, well, Russell. buddy. Um, listeners, up now we're going to speak with uh, Dave Kitchen. He's a CEO of Ballistic Beer. How you going, Dave? Good, thanks. All good? Yep. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come in, mate, and have a chat to us about uh, your amazing uh, brewery and beer. Not a problem. Um, Dave, I'm going to let uh, Otto take over this and uh, do the interviews. Thank you, Andrew. So, uh, Dave, so you're the CEO of Ballistic Beer, and what do you do prior to this role? Um, quite a lot, actually. I think this is about job seven or eight for me. So I, I originally trained as an accountant, did my degree and trained as an accountant, did that for about three and a half years, went overseas, worked for a bit more, uh, and was lucky enough after that to score a job uh, with the Department of Foreign Affairs. So I spent 13 years uh, studying Mandarin Chinese and then um, went to, I did that in Singapore and then worked in Hong Kong, Beijing as well. Um, at the end of Beijing, my wife was very keen to come back to Australia, so which is good because I would have kept on going north and wound up in <laughs> Kazakhstan or somewhere. But uh, uh, I, I came back and t took a complete left field turn, unintentional left field turn, and wound up running a what was Australia's largest, I, I think the universe's largest chain of home <laughs> brew stores. Uh, we had uh, the store out at uh, Yamanto, you may have seen that, ages ago um that was one of mine so i ran that for a while and for about 15 16 years i think and then uh at the end of that um the opportunity and some money became available for me to do something else and we looked at setting up a really small brewery to be part of that business and the numbers didn't add up so uh when i went back to the people who were talking that, that had the money i said we couldn't do it and they said well how about we give you lots of money can you make a real brewery and uh so we started off and made a real brewery so, yeah, it seems like quite a long resume. Yeah. <laughs> Very. So what year did Ballistic Beer brand start and where did it start? Uh, what year is really easy because it's on my shirts and whenever I'm talking to people, I look down to check the date so I get it right. And I was talking to someone the other day, I wasn't wearing my shirt and I looked down and I was like, oh, it's not on there. <laughs> 
I almost never not wear my shirt. So 2016, uh, it, it probably effectively started 2015, and it started at my kitchen table. So uh, I used to take Fridays off, and I'd sit down and I'd write the business plan and do all of the work. 2015, 2016, I employed a uh, head brewer and found the site or signed a lease on a site and uh, we spent a year um, just him there and I'd go down on Fridays from running the home brew stores and uh, we uh, got the place fitted out and ready to go and then January 6, 2017 we had our first launch event at uh, one of the bars around Brisbane. Mm. So can you tell us why and how you thought about opening a brewery? Alrighty, well, it was, it was sort of left field like moving into homebrew because I'd never actually, I'd never actually homebrewed uh, when I bought the business. I bought a, a small store, which which then wound up being a lot of stores, and I could it was just going to be a side thing, and I couldn't conscientiously draw a salary from the government anymore, so I had to leave and and, and go and run um, the business. But what I did find um, in that, I had a few moments, real aha moments, where a couple of my uh, store manager, brilliant homebrewers. And I just had these beers that were so much better than the stuff I'd been drinking for forever beforehand. And uh, it was a real eye-opener to me. And, and, and I thought, well, th- there's something in, in... There really is something in this home brewing. And then um, it was right at the early days of craft beer starting in, in Australia, and Brisbane was behind everyone else. And uh, I thought, well, there, there, were, there were really good home brewers who were starting to transition into being trying to do some, some professional brewing or, or selling the beer. So I thought, well, maybe as part of our business, home brew business, we'd have this small brewery where people could come and actually learn on a, on a bigger piece of equipment than they've got. And uh, we'd teach them a bit of that, a bit of marketing, a bit of business and so on, and, and uh, go from there. But as I said earlier, the numbers didn't add up. There wouldn't have been enough people for, for that to pay. And... Uh, so um, I went back to the person that had offered to back it and I said, well, we can't do it for that. Uh, we'd have to have a really big brewery to do it, to have any sort of credibility and, and have our own, own revenue from selling beer anyway and then we could do it. And he said, well, put together the business plan. So I sat down, wrote that business plan in 2015 and um, it's, it, all the rest is history. Well, there so, you go. So. Well, I have to try a beer. I normally drink uh, Coopers personally. Oh, oh, no, actually, I, I won't bag Coopers. It is the largest independent craft brewery in australia so mm, yeah. um it's yeah great beers i don't, i just buy them because they're cheap <laughs> <laughs> so what's behind the name ballistic beer and who chose that name and why uh, it, this is one of our um stories we often get asked about uh, if, if you look on the website and you see who my head brewer is uh, a young gentleman called lachlan um you can't see because we're, we're on radio i'm 57 i've got short hair i look like an accountant basically. and no, uh, I wasn't very surprised when he said he went to accounting. <laughs> Lachlan, on the other hand, has a beard that goes to his navel. He has tats. He had, had an ear, uh, an ear ring mm. and, and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So we're, we're really quite different people. Uh, we actually work brilliantly together, but we're in, in terms of where we're coming from, very different people. And uh, the first time he came and visited me in Brisbane to check out the, the, the job, and we had to, to talk about uh, a whole bunch of things. One of them was a, a name for the brewery. He hated all the names that I'd been using in the meantime. I said I had like set special secret um, project names uh, up to that point. But I was looking at sort of a 60s Beach Boys without the without the beach kind of theme right. and cool mm. music and everything. He wanted post-apocalyptic punk oh. uh, as a theme. And so there was just no 
matching, no, no coming together of those things. And uh, he was due to fly home um, at the end of his first visit up and we had about an hour before we were going to the airport and we are driving around the area where the, the brewery is located and uh, we couldn't think of any name. I said, well, why don't we do something to do with what the history of Salisbury is about? And he said, what's that? And I said, well, during World War II, Salisbury was actually an area where there was secret ammunition-making factories here, lots and lots and lots of thousands of them. Great photos of, of, of big, um, big sheds that have got camouflage over the top that looks like roads that people are walking down off the road mm. roof of the house. So a really big thing and really integral to the uh, security of Australia during World War II. And I thought, well, why don't we do something to do with ammunition? And, and so I was driving. He, was, um, he pulled out his phone, pulled up a wiki list of uh, words to do with ammunition. And we started A and we got to B and he said ballistic and we were almost at my place. And I said, ballistic's it? I think that's a great name, and and I only really had one other requirement other than just sounding great, um, and that was that you had to be able to, in a really noisy, crowded bar, perhaps three beers down, be able to say the name really clearly so the barman on the other side can hear exactly what you want. And ballistics, a really easy, hard word to get mm. out. Sorry, a really easy percussive word to get out. So yeah, uh, yeah. always very clear in a bar that you want a ballistic beer. So. Mm. Uh, so it got the tick of approval, and and looks super happy that we did. It's um yeah, it's a real tip of the hat to all the people in Salisbury. I live in a in returned soldiers uh, thing. The whole area then was split up for soldiers. It's very big history of of sort of World War Two and post World War Two. So it's great to be able to honour that. I think. But I, I just I, I just from the story and everything, it's just such a, a really interesting name. How it does have that post-apocalyptic kind of you know feeling <laughs> yeah, it does, but actually. it still also has that beach boy 60s kind of feeling and, yeah it's so it, it's just a really great name yeah, we, That's got, good. we got it together it's yeah. very good uh, so have you been happy with the progression of ballistic beer since you started uh, the, the progression of ballistic has been nuts um like even before we officially opened we had or, or basically the day we officially opened we, we didn't have a bar but we had, we thought we we're going to have a bar and of course with council licences and everything else, we're two months behind, but we advertised in the sort of the Brisbane Beer Festival that was on that we were going to be open. So we rented a little bar. We had four people, uh, four taps on the bar, and my wife and the head brewer were, were there pouring beers. Uh, his wife, who had a, a, a sore leg, was sitting down collecting tickets, and I was sort of running around and cleaning up. That day we had queues, first time we'd ever done anything, queues people for 45 minutes repeatedly to get beer. Wow. And, and from that point on, the community support has just never stopped. And uh, we've just gone on upwards and upwards and upwards. It's amazing. And, and that's, um, it, it, I, th I think, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a lot of work, but incredibly fulfilling and incredibly exciting to see how much people have got behind it. No, I could definitely see why. Yeah. When you were in your brewery and everything, it yep. was absolutely beautiful. Uh, probably going to get some lunch from there later. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, what has been the biggest challenge that you have faced as a CEO, and how have you overcome this? Well, it's it's probably two parts. First biggest challenge is actually that speed of growth that we've had. It's just trying to stay ahead of that, and uh, yeah, I'll go to sleep in a couple of years' time and and, and actually <laughs> um, relax. But um, yeah, it's been six years of just flat out uh, work, and then COVID's been interesting for us. I'm. I'm not going to say it's been difficult like so many other people have suffered, but you know, we've had to close all of these venues um, during the worst bits of COVID and so on, but people have had have, have gone to bottle shops and bought beer and taken it home. So we haven't suffered like a lot of others. But actually the last 
three months has been the hardest part for us for COVID because now we're running out of staff. Um, we've had the Omicron getting people, we've had floods. So people have been really hard hit and we just can't get a... We're having difficulty getting a run of, of having sort of full staff anywhere at the moment. But we'll, we'll get through that again. We've, we've survived COVID. Um, we've done pretty well out of it. Not pretty well, done pretty well coping with it. And um, we'll, we'll get through it. It's, I keep telling my staff the sign of a great company is um, it's not that it runs perfectly. It's how you get over the, the problems and how well you resolve those problems and move forward. So uh, we've just got to keep moving forward and, and um, get over what's, what's happening at the moment. Mm, yeah, yeah, perfect. So uh, how many establishments do you have at the present day and where are they? All right, five and a half we have. So we have a, the main brewery is in Salisbury. Um, it's it's a large brewery. We do about a million litres of beer there a year. Um, after we had open open for about a year or so, we opened we bought a little bar in West End, which was one of our customers, and they were they were in a bit of financial difficulty, and we thought, well, we'll take this over and we'll we'll practice doing hospitality. Uh, off the back of that, um, this venue here at Springfield came up and uh, it was brought to my attention, and and we looked at it and we thought, yeah, we could do something with this, and we uh, refitted it. And uh, it, it's been a brilliant, uh, absolutely brilliant venue for us. And then over the last couple of years through COVID, there's been a couple of other venues up north that have come up. And uh, one of the things that COVID uh, did for us is we came back and we reassessed what we were doing. We'd, we've got beers uh, for sale nationally. and uh, But really, our original plan was first to go really deep in Queensland. And we hadn't done that as much. So... These two venues, one in Bundaberg, one in Airlie Beach, uh, came up for sale and we thought, well, let's go a whole lot deeper into Queensland. So we wound up buying uh, both venues and uh, they've been really good. I love going to the Airlie Beach venue and just sitting out. It's not on the waterfront, but all of my meetings are out on the waterfront looking oh, at yeah, yeah. So uh, I love going to, uh, to Airlie. Actually, like going to Bundaberg as well. It's a really chilled town and uh, going down to the water from there. So... Uh, then we so that's five, and then we've got a little half venue, which is um, it's about a kilometre away from the main brewery, and we do some really funky brewing in there using bacteria and wild yeast and all the sort of things we can't have in the main brewery. So it's just a a little tiny facility in a shared area that we uh, we do stuff there that we, we we just can't do in the main brewery itself. Mm. So that sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, being able to get away from uh, restrictions and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, we've got a mad. Boffin Brewer over there that does all sorts of weird stuff. So, mm. so I think about expanding it all, and if so, where are you planning on opening next? My recommendation is probably up in Ipswich. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a really good brewery up in Ipswich already. But um, I, I think we'll continue uh, moving up the coast. I'd love to be in Mackay. Love to be in Rockhampton, Townsville, Cairns when the um, when the tourists come back. Toowoomba's another great place. I think it's. Uh, I think we could do something there. We're not on the north and south coast at the moment because they're really full of breweries, but if we can find the right place, I'd love to be there as well. So absolutely, we intend to keep expanding. We've just got to find the right places. Yeah, so we're absolutely still planning to expand, and we would, ultimately we want to become the Queensland brewery. The uh, you know, If you're in Queensland, if you don't want craft beer, you drink Great Northern. If you do want craft beer, then we want to be the one that you want to drink. So... We'll, we'll keep going really deep into Queensland and just finding new venues for uh, around the place. So, name three types of ballistic beer and how they differ from each other. Oh, look, this is... Um, it's, it's kind of super easy but super difficult. It's um, The thing about craft beer is 
three is only a fraction of what we have. My my bar at Salisbury has 20 taps on it. Oh. So I have beers that start right down at one end that are very pale, watermelon flavoured and made on salt water. I have uh, just your standard lagers and ales, pale ales, IPA in the middle, and right up the other end, uh, I have a, uh, a stout that tastes like a Mexican hot chocolate or a, uh, a double IPA that's 9% oh, and has... Um, yeah, it's just super dank and, and, and rich and powerful. And then the stuff that comes out of this this half a premise called the bunker uh, are really interesting, different um, beers using wild yeast that, that, that some people, that I used to describe in the home brew store when I was teaching people as a bit like sucking on a wet carpet or kissing a wet dog, <laughs> uh, which is an acquired taste and not every, everyone likes those sort of beers. So there's just, that's that's the wonderful thing about craft beer we get uh, particularly young ladies come up and say, oh, I don't like beer. And I say, well, no, probably you don't like the beer that your partner drinks because generally it's rubbish. Um, But uh, I have 20 beers here and I'm reasonably confident I'll find something here that you'll like. And and usually I'm successful. Occasionally I don't and and they wind up going back to wine. But in 20 beers, um, there's no beer. You don't have to drink a beer that you think a beer should taste like you can drink 20 other beers that taste entirely different. I find that quite funny because I've found drinking beer a lot more easier than drinking wine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But what do I know? I'm only 18. (laughs) So uh, how many beers... Well, you've just started drinking, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So uh, how many beers do you make at Ballistic Beer? Oh, God, look... um, Say we've got 20 on tap uh, at any time. So we probably make 40 or 50... 40 beers a year at least. But of those, probably 12 are consistent that we're doing all the time. Then maybe another five, we'll do four versions of that beer through the year and then a bunch of just really interesting different beers on top of that. Mm. So um, we've done hundreds of beers in the since 2017 when we started. Hundreds of beers. It's yeah. mm. good. So uh, what is the most popular ballistic beer? Oh, it was a chance for me to skite. I think we uh, <laughs> we made a beer uh, a couple of years ago, and all our best beers come out of uh, just events we have at the brewery where we brew something special, and people start saying, "Oh, that's really nice." And so we brewed a beer called uh, we called Hawaiian Haze, um, and we improved it, improved it, and in the end, we thought, "Well, we think this is good enough to to do a lot more with." So we went to uh, Coles and Woolworths, who are the Dan Murphys and the uh, Liquorlands and all those. And we proposed that, uh, that they'd like to have the beer. And um, Woolworths came back and said, uh, yeah, we want to put it in all of our um, first choice in BWS stores. So that was like a 1,000 stores all in one go. And then we thought, that's amazing, incredible. How are we going to make that much beer? And then like a week later, um, Coles came back and said, oh, we want to put it into all our first choice stores as well. <laughs> so uh, I, I had to flog my brewers for about five months just to get enough beer to get into, into the store. Mm. Um, and that's gone really well. And in, in Australia, we have a competition called uh, the Gab's Hottest 100. It comes out on the same day as, as the Triple J Hottest 100 Australia Day long weekend. And it's a vote of uh, the best beers, best craft beers in Australia. And there's, I think, 2,200 craft beers went in and there's 283 breweries. Uh, year before last, we were number six and this year we're number eight in Australia. So yeah. uh, I think we can pretty safely say that that's our most popular beer. Yeah, and mm. I was only just telling Otto down the brewery, um, Dave, that that's probably my most 
favourite beer that you do have as well, the yeah. Hawaiian Haze. Oh, yeah, I'll just say Hawaiian Haze Pale Ale. Just, yes. so, <laughs> just so everyone got it. <laughs> Uh, this this question is uh, uh, I'm quite interested in the answer on this one, but uh, where can a customer purchase your delicious beer? And if they cannot attend one in person, where would they still be able to purchase them? Alrighty, so the the obvious ones are go to all, all your damn Murphy's, BWS's, First Choice Liquor Land, uh, all of the big supermarket chain uh, bottle shops, all of the good in, indies around the place uh, will, uh, will carry those as well. And indie independent bottle shops are great places to go because. You can buy our beers, but they'll also have a lot of other really interesting stuff, and the guys behind the counter here will love to talk to you about the beer. So um, support your local uh, independent bottle shop, I think, is is yep. the uh, the best one. Or otherwise, you can always go onto the website and, uh, and get it delivered to your door. Yeah, yeah I've got an independent bottle shop that's quite close to my house and everything. Yep. Uh, the person who works there is, you know, very lovely. They're always helping you out find the alcohol that you want. But yeah, yeah. I have to keep an eye out for your, for your beer there. Please do. <laughs> So, uh, do you serve meals at your licensed venues? So, uh, West End, Springfield, and Bundaberg, which we call Ballistic Bagara because we try and stay away from the Bundaberg alcohol name for obvious yeah, yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those three have full kitchens. Um, then at Salisbury and at Early Beach, we use food trucks. So, uh, we have uh, three food trucks in every weekend, which I, I really like. It gives a different sort of food every day for, for people. Um, but at the same time, I think our kitchens do a fantastic job as well. They, they provide good quality, really nice, well-priced meals. So, um, yeah, all of those places will do food in one form or another. Yeah. Springfield has great meals. So what would be the price of your meals? You know, as me as a broke student, you know, I need to know what the price of the food is I'm going to be eating. Well, I would have to say, as the owner, I don't know that I've ever paid for a meal. <laughs> you can't help uh, but I, I think there's, there's everything from... Because we do everything from... Uh, you can just have a, a, a hot fries with hot fries if you want. Um, uh, yeah. We do... Um, <laughs> platters and so forth because we do like that idea of communal dining as well uh, and then um, I, I suspect probably $12 upwards depending on what you buy for uh, you know, burgers and, and up to steaks and, and so on as well so yeah, yeah, excellent so are these uh, child friendly venues absolutely um, as, as much as we can possibly make them Springfield's probably our best because it's got a huge amount of grass out the front and the children's playground at the back but the the lesson and, and the intention, not just a lesson, but it's been reinforced uh, from when we opened in Salisbury, was that these are community places. We want these to become the hubs of of the community. Salisbury, I think it absolutely is now. There's 60 years, there's, there's Bucks Nights, there's Children's Birthdays, there's the local footy club breakups, all of this sort of stuff. So we try and build in as much space uh, as we can for, for children. Now, the only one that isn't, isn't is West End because that's on a, a road down in down in West End, which is a pretty busy and, and yeah. uh, uh, crowded, dense dense area just on South Bank there. But uh, all the others have plenty of space for kids, and we try and make it as welcoming as we can for families. I, I actually used to live up in West End before I moved uh, to Ipswich. So yeah. what, what street would that so be on? It's Montague Street. Ah, Montague Street, yeah. yeah. I was thinking maybe it would be on Boundary Street. No, no. We and, and again, this is one of the things we, as best as we can, we don't want to be um, a high street venue it's, mm. it's not our thing our thing is to be in the in the burb servicing the people so early beach is a great example we're not actually on early beach itself mm. we're back in cannonvale and that's i don't know two kilometers back in from the beach but we're smack in the middle of uh, a, a residential area and it's and we're there to service the people uh the, the local communities we're not there to get the 
the tourists through. That's not our primary uh, driver. If, if they want to come and visit us, that's wonderful. But uh, we're there to service our local communities and be part of that community. Mm, well, uh, next time I'm down West End, I'll be sure to visit uh, your, uh, your... Absolutely. Your, yeah. <laughs> So uh, do you have any live music? Uh, we do as well. That's um, a little bit up and down through COVID, but I think we're back everywhere now. Three nights a week we have live music. Um, so it's three different uh, musos and uh, at, at all of them as best as we can. And um, we also have trivia at a couple of venues as well. We have beer yoga at, uh, at Salisbury, which is okay. always interesting. It's, there you uh, go. It is actually yoga with a can of beer, and, <laughs> but it is serious yoga. I might take yoga um, up. Yeah, so there's, there's yeah, yeah. always uh, something interesting on at the places. So, it, it, yeah, music pretty much all weekend. Beautiful. Mm. So uh, how can customers book at your establishment? Do you have a Facebook page, you know? So we have a uh, website, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and OpenTable. Uh, all of those will work or just ring up. The, work, the phone numbers are on the bottom of the, uh, the, the front page of the website and give them a call as well. So uh, happy to have anyone in. I would recommend booking at the moment. It's uh, just talking to my manager here at Springfield and he said it's uh, through COVID, people used to book really well because they knew that there was super tight limitations. And then when all the limitations came off, uh, when they removed all the COVID requirements, people have, have stopped booking and, and now it's a great problem, but now we, we're expecting uh, 10 sets of bookings and we wind up with 130 people walk through the door. Um, that's a great problem to have, but it just makes it difficult for us to give you the best possible service. So, yeah, yeah, it's still a problem. Um, yeah, it, 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 as my brewer says, yeah, it might be a nice problem, but still a problem. It's The, the problem is that if we, if we don't know we're going to have 130 people, we may not be able to serve you as quickly as we want and uh, and so on. And so it's it's not as good an experience for you. And we want you to have a wonderful experience. So um, Definitely book. book. Yeah, book. Definitely and, book. And, uh, mm. yeah, it just uh, helps to make sure you get the, the best out of your night. Uh, thanks, listeners. Uh, we're going to continue speaking with uh, CEO of Ballistic Beer, Dave Kitchen. And no doubt you found uh, the first segment um, quite informative. Um, so, yeah, we're about to get some um, more information now for uh, listeners that want to probably get into the industry. So take it away, Otto. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. So, David, can we get some CEO feedback for listeners and people wanting to get into the industry, if that's all right? Absolutely. As my children will keep telling you, I love or, or tell everyone, I love telling everyone what to do. So uh, happy to give you <laughs> more advice. What is the first thing a CEO or a HR manager looks for in a potential employee? This one's quite important to me because I want to start working in a bar. Um, enthusiasm I think Um, that's number one come in wanting the job Um, if 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 you come in and we sense that I I don't care what sort of work it is and uh, you know whether I get this job or not I don't really care we'll pick it up we'll get that sense so if you come in and and it's clear to us that you're actually quite excited about this opportunity that's that's 50% of the the game already I think um, well, the number one is, I think, as Woody Allen used to say, 50% of getting a, a job as an actor is actually turning up. Um, but uh, another another 25% is coming and be enthusiastic when you do turn up. Totally. Yeah. So uh, how can an employee intending an interview make a good first impression on you as a CEO or an HR manager? A couple of things. Um, as I said, be, be enthusiastic. Do a little bit of research about the business. Um know what the business is before you get there. Mr. Google solves that problem for everyone these <laughs> days. So if you can't come in and know a little bit about the business, you haven't even tried. So, yep. um, yeah, if I, if I say something and you don't know what I'm talking about, then if you, if you can't be bothered to do that, you're not going to be a, a hard-working uh, person. Um, 
do some research, ask, ask a couple of questions, have a couple of pre-prepared questions so that you, you look like you're enthusiastic. Be honest, be frank. An interview should be both me interviewing you and you interviewing me. So you need to be comfortable that, that it is the right job. And if I get the sense as well that you're, you're interested but you want to make sure it's the right job, that's also a good thing because it means I'm, I'm not just getting someone that, that'll take any job. I'm getting someone that really wants to look for the right job. Um, that, that's one of the things. One of the things I actually do look at, look for as well, is um, I'm less worried about the school results and so forth. I love to see um, either they're a member of a sports team because that means they're good at working with people or they do something with their life outside of, of, of work. So uh, I've just interviewed a, a young lady uh, for a role and she works uh, a volunteer dog minder. She's done stuff for our, uh, RSPCA. She's now working for a charity that supports uh, children with disabilities and stuff. This is all completely outside of the job. But if, if she's motivated to do that sort of thing, she's clearly a nice person, can work with other people, she's got some compassion, she's got some drive, clearly got some drive to be doing all of this sort of stuff outside of ours. So have more on your CV than just uh, just this is this is my school result and these are the places I've been to. Yep. Quite good for me because uh, I pretty much dropped out of high school. Yep. <laughs> so uh, is knowledge about fear important for a person wanting to get into the industry? Uh, not not in the hospitality side, not in the, uh, in the particularly like the bar side and the chefing side. If we do our job properly, we'll train you in that. Um, the technical knowledge isn't isn't the thing, and this is the real challenge we have with our venues. What I want are the right sorts of people, and for me, the right sorts of people are those who uh, understand what being hospitable is about. So being supportive and kind and generous and uh, welcoming having a smile on your face. Um, we often do, particularly at the Salisbury Bar, when we employ people, um, we'll give them a trial run up on the bar. And we've got a couple of uh, mystery customers who'll go up and just ask them a question. And if the person behind the bar says, oh, yes, or no, um, and that's it, they don't get the job. But if, if they start to engage that customer in a conversation, um, then they've got a much better chance of getting that job. So I'm not interested in people that, that just, you know, that's $4.50, thanks, put the money in the till next and move on. That's that's not what we're about. We want people to bring their personalities, to be engaging, to be kind, to look after people in, in, in the venues. And that's why it's called hospitality. It's not called service. It's it's hospitality. Mm, yeah. So what are the three most important things you look for in a potential employee? Oh, I talked too much in the last one. Question. <laughs> um, Don't so diligence and... Um, in the hospitality industry, it really is about being able to show some care and some empathy uh, and, and welcoming to people, a smile and self-motivation. We've got another young fellow at the moment and um, he's going to go a long way in this business. We just brought him onto the bar because he had done some uh, beer judging or he had worked at a, a beer judging competition and my wife and someone else had seen him and, and he, just, he just seemed to be really nice and engaging and worked hard and then I've been watching him over the last two or three weeks and when he's not actually serving someone or if he's doing uh, work on a canning line if he's not actually at that point putting cans into boxes and things and the line stop he'll get out and he'll walk around the front and he'll clean up a bit or he'll go over to one of the brewers and ask them what they're doing and watch how they're doing so he's curious he's doing extra work he's he's motivated um he, he's an absolute pleasure to have in the place so yep Get off your backside. Don't stand around. Get off your backside. Work hard. Make a good impression. 
um, try your best to to help the employer. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was told when I was first doing me uh, ten hours in uh, Ipswich and everything for the uh, uh, ten hour service thing we had to do. Uh, I remember one of them always telling me. You're never not doing anything in a kitchen, you know. You're always yes. either you're cutting vegetables or you're wiping down counters if you you know got nothing to do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We have in in, in uh, above the sink in, in Salisbury because I I'm I'm most present in Salisbury. We have a above the sink in Salisbury a list on the wall that says these are the ten things to do when you've got nothing to do. So yeah, there's there's never yeah. a point where you stand around. I, yeah, as as a boss, I don't want to be paying for someone to stand around. I can do that myself. Mm. Um, I, I'm paying for people to do to do some work. You know, I, I'm not going to flog them, and I want to make sure I do. You know, I'm a good boss, and I, I and everything. But you don't get paid for standing around; you get paid for doing. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and it's one of those things too, Dave, that we say at TAFERS use your own initiative. Yeah. Don't wait to be told to do something; just get in and do stuff if you see that it's got to be done. Yep. Or, yeah. or at the very least, is there anything else I can do to help you? Yeah. Mm. Is there something I can go and do now? Love to hear that. That's yep. they're, they're golden words. For sure. And to say those words more, the chef. There you go, buddy. You left it. Uh, so, uh, do you think the industry is rewarding for your employees? Absolutely. Um, part of the reason I wound up having the brewery um, is because in my time in the homebrew business, I, I saw this business coming up. It's a beautiful business, which is a curious word to use, but it, the the level of cooperation and um, and sharing and support uh, in the craft beer industry is amazing. Um, where I think everyone feels like they're you know, we're all working together because we're a very tiny group of people and we need to, to grow to to compete with the with the big breweries. Mm. Um, so we work really well together. Um, it is an industry that is uh, people are very keen to be on the forefront of having. Um, yeah, sustainability, uh, good work conditions, all those sort of things. Um, There's it, it's outliers all the time. There's people that don't do that. But as an industry generally, I think we're quite progressive and we actually want to be really good people and really good businesses. So, yeah, I'd strongly recommend it for people. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, do you strive to be a great uh, team culture at Ballistic Beer? And if so, how do you achieve this? It's an interesting one. It's something we've gone back on just recently Um Yes, I, I, I really do want to have a, a team culture. It was very simple when we started off and we had two people and then four people and six people and sort of by osmosis the what we believed in sort of flowed outwards. But but as we've expanded very rapidly, um, those personal connections are, have got harder and harder, particularly if I've got a venue in, in Ely and a venue in Bundaberg and here. I can't get to all of them and sort of... Uh, or I should, but I haven't been getting to all of them to try and do that. So over the last year, we've really done a lot of work, part of our just general marketing research, but also distilling that down into refining what were our core values into into a new set of core values and, and really working on um, something called what's our why. Why do we actually bother coming to work uh, every day? What, what's the driver? What makes this job special over any other job? And Which I think we've done, and, and, and for us, it's... Um, simply to make moments more, which means when, when a customer comes in and they sit down, our job, the beer that we make, the service that we give, the food that we cook, everything's just going to make that moment a little bit better for them than if they hadn't come in or if we hadn't done it and they'd gone somewhere else. So our aim is to make those moments more and that's, it's now very much my job over the next four or five months to try and roll that out across all of our uh, venues and just really talk to people a lot more now that we've got the words 
that say what what we've been trying to project just through emotions and feelings and and um, uh, example. Now we've got the words to do that, and I think um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that that job actually. When you're speaking everything like oh why are you coming in here for and everything, it reminds me a lot like whenever I hear that question, it's like well obviously the answer is you know I I don't want to be broke. But uh, hearing you saying, like, what makes this industry more special, like, a lot more resonates with me, you know? Yeah. So I feel like there's a, a lot better way of putting it because it's always, you know, the main reason is I don't want to be homeless. Yeah, look, I, I, I'd go a step further than that because I, I tell all sorts of people, and I've had, I've had seven jobs, don't work in a place that you, that, that you don't enjoy. I mean, that, that's you, too many hours are spent at work. You don't want to kill your life doing that. Find something you can be passionate about. Then... Then it's a pleasure to come to work every day, and that's that's. Then you'll come to work. One of the benefits of coming to work is is that you you actually get the pay, but in fact you want to come to work because you feel good and you feel happy and you enjoy the other people. That's a great way to, to work. Not just coming to work just to get your pay because that's that's very unrewarding and soul destroying. So find a place where you can really enjoy what you're doing, and and then. Cash, the cash in hand at the end is almost a benefit, an extra benefit on top. Mm. It reminds me of uh, when, I, when we were talking earlier about like me going into hospitality. When I was in regular schooling and whatnot, I just really couldn't find the motivation to just engage and whatnot. Yeah. But being in hospitality, moving around, I've been really engaged, been really excited to go in yep. and do what I was doing, you know. Not even just, you know, oh, because I want to get my cert, but I've just really enjoyed being in that community, working with those sort of people. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so... Uh, uh, da, da, da. What qualifications do you look for in a potential employee? Um, I suppose having some sort of qualification is good. Uh, look, everyone, no, not everyone. Many, many people, and, and particularly home brewers, all want to be brewers. And so we get people all the time, you know, have you got a job as a brewer? Have you got a job as a brewer? But the people I've employed are those who've got off their backside and they've gone and done something before they come to brewing. So brewing's not a well-paid job. Brewing is 90% cleaning. Um, so I want people who have already made that decision that they want to want to do this job before they come to me. And if they just suddenly decide one day, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, it's romantic to, to brew, I'll do it, or it's romantic to be a, a chef because they've watched MasterChef uh, a bunch of times, until you understand that most of these jobs actually, there's a whole lot of cleaning, there's a whole lot of sweat and tears in these jobs and so forth, you're, you're not going to last very long. So what the qualifica- qualifications give you some knowledge. But hell, I did, I did four years at university and I still knew nothing when I came out. Um, <laughs> but what it does, what you do know is you know roughly what this job's going to mean and you're not going to get a rude surprise as soon as you start working. So I'd like to see something... In, in your CV. It also shows me that you can actually knuckle down and do something and, and finish it. So Be committed. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, all my brewers, um, we never take, well, I won't say never, but hardly ever, ever take anyone that hasn't done some sort of study beforehand just to show they're committed to it. We give them extra study afterwards. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think even uh, hospitality, I'd love to see... Yeah. I think bar staff's a little bit different, but certainly in the kitchens, I'd like to see some basic stuff so you don't slice someone up with a, a knife or uh, you know, poison someone while you're doing it. So yeah, you know the basics, sure. you know what you're doing. Yep. Uh, that, I, I remember I was uh, reading into brewing because, you know, I find alcohol extremely interesting. <laughs> but I was reading into it, but like I, pre- I heard that like most of the job are just sanitising your equipment and everything that touches the alcohol. 
It is. Look, it, it's, it absolutely is. It's a hard physical job, and most of us uh, have breweries in tin sheds. It's 40 degrees in there, and you, uh, you've got hot fats all around you. You're moving hot liquid. Um, it's, it's particularly when you start off uh, labour-intensive, it's lifting 25-kilo bags of grain into yeah, sounds like stuff, 63-kilo kegs. It's, it's, it's hard work. So, um, and, But the other part of it is that you've got to have everything spotlessly clean because uh, bacteria will kill your beer in, in no time flat. So, yeah, it is a lot of cleaning, a lot of hard work, um, so, but it is a great job. You're creating something with your hands. Same, same as a chef. At the end of the day, my brewers love seeing people sitting out in the tap room drinking their beer. So. Smile on. Sounds yeah. like an absolute dream being in a tin shed, you know, and all that heat. <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, our final question from our yeah. producer, Russell, is uh, Marvel or DC and why? I actually had to do some research on this because I have no idea which is Marvel, which is DC. And so I asked <laughs> my son and then I completely forgot the answer. So I'm going to go with the easy option. I love Guardians of the Galaxy as well. So <laughs> whichever one it is, I'll go with, with uh, yeah, yeah, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. So. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Uh. Um, okay, uh, Dave, I, I just want to uh, thank you for taking the time to um, come on board and uh, have a chat to us today. I know you're a, a busy man, so we do appreciate it. I know we've got to wrap up now because producer Russell is probably going to run out of time to put us on air. But uh, thanks, Dave, really, uh, for coming on board um, and all the best to Ballistic Beer all thank across you. the state. Um, Otto, you have done extremely well, young man, on your first time on co-hosting. So okay. Thank thanks, you, mate. Andrew. We appreciate it. Yeah. Um, a special thanks to uh, producer Russell, his management, and to Phoenix Radio for giving this opportunity to uh, continue our show in 2022. So thanks, Russell. Um, but that's all we have time for today on the ICYS Layback Hour. Uh, get set for work program. As we always say here, uh, be kind, be safe, and goodbye. Goodbye.